Hey, everybody. How are you this evening? Good, good. Um, didn't we enjoy an awesome time of worship tonight? It's good. You guys don't understand, like we're coming up on Thanksgiving next week, right? And you guys don't understand how very blessed you are to have the team that gets up here every single week. Because back in the day, Tom and I have been here for 14 years, and back in the day, I was the worship leader. See the need, meet the need. It was not because I was this amazing worship leader. Not only did I sing vocally, there were times where I played keys, not pretty. And even worse was the semester that I had to play djembe for the ministry because we had no drummer. So some of you, I had someone ask me the other day, what's a djembe? Um, it's an African drum. Uh, like one of those big drums. So that's what we did for a semester. And so um, all that to say, you guys are super blessed by the team that we have every single week who brings us into the Lord's presence so that we can give him the honor and the glory that he's due. Um, yeah, you can clap. That's awesome. So for those of you who don't know, my name is Missy Trask, and my amazing, incredible husband, Tom, has given me the mic tonight, and um, I appreciate that I have a husband who is so supportive, and that he encourages me, and I know he believes in me 100%, um, and I love you, baby, thanks. Um, so he's, he's been a trooper today watching Taylor all day because she doesn't go to school on Tuesdays. So everybody say an extra prayer <laughs> for Tom <laughs> tonight. He'll get rest tomorrow while she's at school. Um, I realized the other day, the last time I was up here by myself preaching, I was very pregnant with Taylor five years ago, like this month, which is really crazy. And so needless to say, I'm really excited to be up here. Um, because I love the series that we're in right now. I love talking about Make Your Mark and talking about discipleship. Um, have you guys been enjoying the series so far that we've been talking about? Here's the thing. Discipleship excites me because it's drawing people closer to Jesus. And after all, if we are not drawing people closer to Jesus and helping them become more like him, then what are we doing? We are not fulfilling what he told us to do. Not what he asked us to do, but what he told us to do. And so we've looked at some great things that Jesus taught his disciples so far this semester, um, including earlier in this semester, Tom preached a message about change through prayer. And if Jesus cultivated the habit of prayer in his own life, how much more should we be cultivating a habit of prayer? And so in that message, he said, first, that we need to find a place to pray. Second, we have got to find a plan. We need to recognize um, that God has a plan for each of us, and that we need to take time every day to say, God, what is the plan for me today? What do you have for me today? And third, we have got to find a purpose. Out of our prayer time with the Lord, God reveals a new purpose for our life. He renews a purpose that he placed on our hearts a long time ago. And God reminds us of our life purpose, which is to love God and, more importantly, to be loved by him. And Tom ended his message that night by saying, the prayers you pray today affect the life that you're going to live tomorrow. 
And that was such a powerful statement. And I'm going to say it again. The prayers you pray today, the things you talk to God about today, they are going to affect your life tomorrow. And you might be wondering, Missy, why in the world are you recapping Tom's message in such detail tonight? And it's not because I'm a proud wife. I am that. I'm a very proud wife. But because I believe that God wants us to add another layer to our prayer lives. Part of discipleship and walking with Jesus is not staying here, but it's moving to here, to here, to here, okay? And we don't believe that we live our life with Jesus on a line, that you start here and like you just keep growing in Jesus. Because if we did that, when we have a failure and stuff, it would dip down and then you're trying to get back up. We believe that you live this life like this, like a spiral coming up. So you're going to revisit things in your life. And God's going to teach you something new about prayer. He's going to teach you something new about anger and about different things that you go through. So tonight we're going to add a new layer to prayer. You guys ready? Okay. Um, Can we all agree that we need to pray every single day? Okay, we do. And I think if we were honest, take a second and think, what are the top three things that you pray about on a regular or a daily basis? Real quick in your mind, what's that quick list? I think if we were honest, we would say that in those top three things, it includes us. And we might even be part of all three of those things that we pray about the most. And I feel like God is challenging all of us myself included, to take the next step in our prayer lives to include prayers that have nothing to do with us, external. Have you guys heard the term intercession before? Okay. Basically, in our context here tonight, it means to intervene on behalf of another. It means to pray or to talk to God about another person. When we intercede, we're committing to pray for others. I'm committing to go for, to God for them, to stand in for them. And sometimes it's in a situation where they can't even pray for themselves because it's too difficult for them even to say anything. Is there anybody you guys think of when I say the term prayer warrior? or anybody that comes to mind. For me, I think of my grandparents, who I know that they pray for me, even today, they pray for me every single day. And after I broke up with a boyfriend in college, my Nana comes up to me and she goes, just so you know, your pa prayed every single day he prayed that boy out of your life. (laughs) Yeah, because he knew that that boy was bad news. And so I'm so thankful that I had people in my life who were willing to call out my name, even though I didn't know they were, every single day so that my life would be changed. Prayer warriors take time to see the needs of others around them, and then they actually pray. Not just see the need, but then they take it a step further and pray. How many of you are guilty, and you can or you don't have to raise your hands, I'm guilty of this, that you type praying under a Facebook status, but you forget to pray? 
We all do that. Otherwise, all y'all would just be praying all the time. That's what I know, because I see that a whole lot on Facebook, right? We see everybody's praying. Um, But we never get around to lifting it up. And tonight, God wants to change that in us. He wants us to pause before we type. He wants us to think about that need that that person is going through. He wants to make us less selfish in our prayer lives and make us more aware of the big picture and the things going on around us so that we're not only praying for ourselves, which is important. We need to lift up our own needs to the Lord, but we need to pray for others and see the impossible happen on a daily basis. And it excites me because he wants to use you and you and you and every single one of us in this room to do the impossible every day. Do you know that? Every day he wants to partner with you to do something incredible that will change not only your life, but the lives of those around you. And a question I think we need to ask ourselves is do we take advantage of the fact that we have the king's undivided attention? And by king, I mean God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the whole trinity. When we decide to become Christians and to follow him, he becomes the king of our life. And back in the day, when there were lots of kings and kingdoms all over the world, you had to be summoned, you had to ask to go to the king's presence, and then when you came into the king's presence, you had to wait to speak. You couldn't just walk in and say whatever it was that you wanted to say. But I am so thankful that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. And today, that means that we don't have to wait for an invitation. We don't have to be summoned. We don't have to wait for, um, to find out if we're going to have an audience with the king today. We can jump right in at any time, at any place, and talk with him. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to have to go to somebody else to talk to Jesus. I want to be able to close my eyes or as I'm driving down the road say, God, I need you now. And we have that ability to do. And so we do need to come to him in reverence with honor and not be casual all the time about how we talk to him. But we don't have to have permission to speak to God. And there are times we should wait and we should listen first, knowing how holy he is and how holy we are not. And don't just treat his presence like a drive through line where you just walk in with your list of needs and then go, peace out, I'm on my way, right? But know that we have the full, undivided attention of the king of the universe who can change anything and everything in like the snap of a finger. We need to realize too that we are always in the presence of the creator of the universe. Whether you want to acknowledge it or not, he's always there. He's right here beside me, like right here, okay? He is just waiting for you to acknowledge him and invite him into situations. And we need to see the kind of power that we have direct access to 24-7. So if we've got this 24-7 audience with the king, 
we need to take advantage of this and become the prayer warriors and intercessors that he created us to be. So where does it say, Missy, where does it say that we need to pray for others and intercede for them? Glad you asked. In 1 Timothy 2, 1, Paul is writing to Timothy, and as he's giving him instructions about worship, he says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. And so, next question, how much are we supposed to pray? Well, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, Paul's final advice to the church there is, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So here's my take on those two passages. Never stop talking to God about the needs of those around you. Always be talking to him. James 5.16 tells us the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. And I love how the message puts it. It says the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. I love that, to be reckoned with. God wants us to be prayer warriors. How many of you realize we're in a battle? There's a spiritual battle that is raging around us at all times. And whether you acknowledge it or not, it's happening, folks. God and the enemy, Satan, they are at war for the soul of every man and woman that has ever been and will ever be. And that's just the reality. We play a part in that war. God has asked us to play a part. And there is so much power in prayer. That's like one of our biggest weapons is prayer. The word tells us that prayer changes the mind of God. And it tells us that there is healing when we call on the name of Jesus. All power, not a little bit, not a tiny bit, all power is available to us all the time. Not just on Sunday and Tuesday, but all the time, when you're in class, when you're in your car, when you're walking um, to Starbucks, when you are sitting with a family member who's fighting against you, all power is available to you all the time. Take advantage of it. And it happens through prayer. So I want to be known as a person who has been a great friend who shares Jesus. I don't want to stand with friends on Judgment Day and have them look at me and go, Missy, why didn't you tell me? Because I was too embarrassed to say something or I just didn't know what to say. And God has to say, I don't know you. And they don't get to enter heaven. I don't want to be that friend. I want the people I care about and that I love to know that I don't just love them here on this earth, but I love them in the next earth or the next life as well, which means I'm going to battle with them. I'm going to stand with them. I'm going to fight with them. And we need to ask ourselves tonight, are we ready for war? Because the enemy isn't giving up easily. How many of you are actually 
I know we're talking about others right now, but if you think about it, you're all an other, right? Like Luna, she's an other to you. So like we're all others. But how many of you are going through something right now in life? Family members going through something. Like there is something going on, okay? We are at war. The enemy's not giving up easily, but neither should we. Don't lay down. We have an advantage because as followers of Christ, who wins? We do, right? The enemy may win a few battles along the way, but in the end, we win the war. God wins the war. And so that brings us to Luke 11, where we find Jesus praying as he so often did. His disciples are there with him. And when Jesus finishes praying, one of them comes up to him and says, Jesus, will you teach us to pray like that? And they were seeing an intimacy that Jesus had with the Father that they longed for. And they're like, I want that. Teach us that. And so Jesus says, okay. And so he teaches them what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And then he takes them to a deeper level regarding prayer. Watch what happens starting in verse 5. And it's going to be on the screen behind me. Um, Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Looking at this chunk of verses, it wasn't just written when we're praying for somebody else, but tonight that's what we're going to focus on. We're going to look at it as as we're praying for other people. So contrary to popular belief, it's not all about you. And I say that to Taylor a lot. The world doesn't revolve around you, baby. And I am not joking when I say, you can't make this stuff up. She looks at me in all seriousness a few days ago and goes, are you sure? (laughs) So if you're like Taylor, I am sure. The world doesn't revolve around just you. And we need to open our eyes and see what's happening around us. Interceding and going to war for others, it isn't a selfish thing. It's sacrificial, and it takes time, and it takes perseverance. Here, Jesus wanted his disciples and us to learn three things when we pray for others. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, and keep on knocking. 
And I love how Jesus, throughout the New Testament, he uses parables and stories that were common to the people he was speaking to, and in this case, the disciples. So they would easily understand and that it would prove a point. And in this story, bread was usually baked in the morning, and people would only make enough for that day. And so it was also common practice for them to travel at night. So they're not traveling in the heat of the day in that part of the world where you might die in the middle of the desert, okay? So they're traveling at night. So here's this friend, shows up at midnight. Maybe he got lost a little bit along the way, um, and he's hungry, but but his buddy has no food when he gets there. And so especially in that day, when someone would come to your home, you feed them. You don't leave them hungry. It would be very rude not to give them something to eat. So it made total sense for him to go to his neighbor and say, hey, you got some bread. And the neighbor would give it to him because in the future, that favor might need to be returned. So no matter what time it is, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get you some bread so that later when I need it, you give it to me. And so does this guy, though, does he get the response that he wants? No. He's told it would be too much of a bother and it's going to disturb everybody in my house to get up to help you. So in my head, probably because I'm a mom, it sounds something like this. I'm telling you right now, if you do not stop banging on my door and if you wake up these kids, I'm telling you, I'm going to get up and you're going to regret that you knocked on my door tonight. You need to just go away. I'm serious. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. So you just better quit. And that's, that's what I hear this guy saying to him. So even this, though this guy, he's not being a good neighbor at this point, the story shows that if you knock long enough and you be shameless in your persistence, at some point he's going to get up and he's going to give you whatever you need. I, the mom, I'm going to get up so you shut up. Like stop knocking on the door. You wake that baby, I'm telling you, don't wake a sleeping baby from their nap. So, I mean, how many of you guys have heard even Taylor say, mom, 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 auntie, auntie, like the interruption, right? Um, we might say that's obnoxious. That it, I mean, it is at times. Um, you get it. Like, that's the kind of persistence that we're talking about in this story. And the whole point of Jesus's story in this moment is that you need to have faith that persists in prayer. That's the point. And as we intercede and we take other people's needs to God, we need to be people, like we said, that keep on asking. And there's a progression in this persistence. The first being ask, which is just a simple request, asking. And wouldn't it be amazing if that's all it ever took? Hey, God, heal grandma's heart. Thanks. Like, if that's all it ever took, that'd be great. But that's not how life works. God wants to teach us more than just that. And so the verse says what? Keep on asking. Keep means repeat, right? I'm going to keep doing it. Kind of like the mom, mom, mom. Okay, keep on asking. Needs to happen again and again and again. And it tells us in the word that if we do that, we'll receive what we ask for. And so the second thing is keep on seeking. 
when we seek, it implies a stronger desire and a more definite kind of request. It's something that takes time. It's not immediate. So as I was preparing this message, I had two different friends um, who contacted me with needs in their life. And so one is a friend who seems to be in the middle of having yet another miscarriage. And so, you know, praying for her and her husband and their family and just crying out to the Lord for that situation. And the second is a friend who had to have surgery. It was a known thing. She was going to have to have surgery to remove part of her intestines. They took over a foot out of her small intestines. And so they asked if we would pray for that surgery. But when they, when they did it, they nicked part of her ureter. And so then they had to open her back up. So she had all these complications. And so her husband is texting us and he's scared and he's like, please pray. And so in the middle of preparing this message, God is giving me opportunity to put what I'm saying to you in action that we can be busy in life. How many of you, you feel busy in your, in your schoolwork or things? And it's like, I don't have time to dedicate 55 hours a week to prayer. But you know what? You have moments where you're walking to class, where you can be thinking of a friend. You have times where you're just sitting and watching Netflix. You're sitting and you're just trolling on Facebook. Use those moments wisely to pour out your heart before God for others. And both of these things are things that I took to Jesus over and over. And even right now in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about those things and asking God to intervene in those situations. And so just like with asking, we're supposed to keep on seeking. If you do, you will find. So let's just be honest because there's healing in this room. Who here is notorious for losing things? Keys, debit cards, wallets, phones, okay? There's healing for all of you. Um, I'm not one of those people, but let's be honest. When you lose something, do you look for it like this? Or do you tear the house apart? Do you tear the car apart? Are you, I've watched some of you come back in the Kyle house and cushions are flying off the couch and all of that, like looking for your phone. So... That's what it means to seek, to keep looking till, you, till it happens, till it comes. Tearing that prayer request up, not just casual about it, but you are going after what you are um, praying about. And then the third is to keep on knocking. Knocking shows determination to get an answer. And when we're talking to God about the needs of others, do we take the time to seek God and his will in the situation? How strong is our desire to see their needs be met, their prayers answered, their circumstances changed? Is it enough that we'll be the annoying knockers who won't take no for an answer, but will keep knocking until God shows up and opens the door? That's what he's asking us to be. And honestly, a lot of you in here, you know my sister's story, so I'm not going to give details. But the bottom line is, nine years ago, we got a phone call that my 25-year-old sister had had a massive heart attack and was in open-heart surgery and had a 20% chance of making it through the surgery. So I got on a plane to Maine, not knowing if when I landed, if she'd be alive or if she'd be dead. 
And I am telling you, I have never knocked so hard as I knocked as I sat there on that plane, weeping and crying out for her. And she knows Jesus. And so if she had left this earth, she would be with the Lord. But she's my baby sister. And so I was crying out for her. I'm happy to say she's had a heart transplant, kidney transplant. Her health is kind of up and down. But nine years later, she's still with us. God has performed miracle after miracle after miracle in her life personally. Those kind of moments cause you to cry out in a way that you've never cried out before. But it doesn't take those kind of giant moments to press into Jesus and see his hand move and miracles happen and the impossible happen on a daily basis. This passage concludes with Jesus saying, if parents know how to give good gifts to their kids, don't you think God knows how to give good gifts to his kids, to the ones that he loves? So when we hear a need, we see a need, what do we do practically? Well, we ask God to do something about it. Keep coming to him, asking him to intervene, do what only he can do. Seek him over and over again. Seek his will and his kingdom in the situation. Knock every day, multiple times a day. Whenever you think about it, bring it to him. Remind him that you're waiting for him to show up. God, I'm waiting for you to answer. I'm waiting for you to reveal yourself. And don't give up. Go after what you know the people you care about, what they need. Do you guys remember when you were, were coming up on Christmas too? Do you remember when you were a little kid and there was a toy you, you like really wanted for Christmas? Did you let your parents forget that you wanted that toy? Trust me, you did not. I have a four-year-old, okay? <laughs> Every list, Christmas, birthday, does not matter. Want a princess carriage. Not the kind that like, okay, it's like for your bar, like that she can drive. I want a princess carriage. It's huge. Wouldn't even fit. I don't know where we put it. But she wants this. It was even on my Mother's Day card. Things mom doesn't like to buy me a princess carriage. <laughs> it said that. I can show you. So we need to be like that. You know, earlier we talked about being at war. Tonight, we need to go on the offense. We need to make the first move. Don't be on the defense. Don't find yourself on the defense. Be on the offense. Make the first move. Put the enemy where he is supposed to be, which is under your feet, and elevate Jesus where he needs to be, which is on the throne where he can rule, he can reign, and he can pour out everything his children need. You can't do that for your friends by yourself in your own strength. You can try, but you can't do it in and of your own strength. All it takes is you crying out to God in that situation saying, God, you do something for them. I need you to show up here now and do something for my friends. Would you guys close your eyes?